Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Judges. We're in chapter 3. We're putting in at verse 12. We're studying another king called Ehud. He was the, I mean, he's not another king. He's this, another judge in the book of Judges. Um, he's actually the second judge that we're going to be talking about. The first judge, again, was Arnathel. And um, so... Um, he was kind of, his claim to fame was uh, Ornithel was the, the son of, um, of Caleb. And so um, he comes from a good family. And, but as McGee says, these judges just were ordinary people. They just, you know, may have one comment, outstanding thing about them, but nothing special like a Moses or uh, a Joshua or anything like that. So now we got Ehud. And all the people again, verse 12, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Elgon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So we have this pattern that they can't keep their promise. They can't keep their covenant. They can't claim the spiritual possessions that God has promised them because they can't live according to God's commandments. But here they go again. So because of their lack of faith, God raises up, uh, you know, the Moab king against Israel. And um, in verse 14, and the people of Israel served Elgon, the king of Moab, 18 years. So again, they're suffering because of their lack of faith. And we think today, How often do we suffer because of our lack of faith? How often do we not claim our spiritual possessions because of our lack of faith? So then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, verse 15, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. So that's his claim to fame. That's what he, um, that's his remarkable thing is he's left-handed. So the people of Israel sent tribute by him to Elgon, the king of Moab. So now you've got this new judge, Ehud, who's going to send this tribute to the Moab king, Elgon. Okay. 
So he's going to go over there and give him this tribute. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. Now, normally, there are not too many people left-handed. So everybody's right-handed. So all the right-handed people are going to put their sword on their left hip so they could draw the sword if needed with their right hand. But Ehud's left-handed, so he puts the sword on the other hip, on the right hip. Now, going through the Secret Service, going through all the security checks, they're going to check people on their left hand to make sure there's no sword. But they didn't pay any attention to the right because, you know, nobody's left-handed except Ehud. So this is the way this is going down. So he goes in, verse 17, and presents the tribute to Elgon, the king of Moab. Now Elgon was a very fat man. Verse 18, and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute, but he, but he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence, and all his attendants went out from his presence. Okay, so Elgin is saying silence. He's sending away all his, his attendants because he wants to hear the secret message. Verse 20, And he had came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber, and Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat. So they're all, they're just alone. And of course, nobody realizes that Ehud has this sword under his right hip. And Ehud reached with his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly, Elgin's belly. And then the hilt also went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out. And Ehud went out onto the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. Okay, so he assassinates Elgin, the king of Moab. And, um, you know, he kind of decapitates their leadership here. So when he had gone, the servants came, verse 24, and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, hmm, surely he's relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. You know, maybe he's either going to the bathroom or maybe he's just sleeping or he wants to be by himself. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them. And <clears throat> there lay the Lord dead on the floor. They had been duped. Verse 26 Ehud escaped while they delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sarah. And when he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. That means the victory trumpet. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to him, to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. You know, in other words, he's saying, I just beat the nation for you. I kill the king. One person. 
So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. Wow. After him was... Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goat, and he also saved Israel. So he didn't even have a sword. He used something more primitive and saved Israel. My study Bible says that Shamgar uh, apparently was not an Israelite name, Um which means son of Anath probably refers to the Canaanite warrior goddess Anath. If so, it's kind of ironic that, as my study Bible says, God uses a non-Israelite warrior to deliver Israel from its enemies. And Shamgar's activity in single-handedly killing so many Philistines sort of anticipates another person, Samson, who does similar things. So now we don't we don't hear any more about Shamgar, but McGee says God, you you know, he is a fellow that he just used what he had. He didn't have a fancy military. He didn't have anybody to command. He didn't even have a sword, but he was able to work for God with what he had. And look how God could use him. He wasn't worried about what he didn't have. He was worried about what he did have and what he could do. Chapter 4 now. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold him into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Okay? Well, this is bad. So 20 years of oppression uh, from this uh, Canaanite king. And uh, Sisera um, was a terrible commander. I mean, fearful. Because he had 900 chariots of iron. Verse 4, now... What are they going to do? It's like having tanks, you know, in today's army. So, verse 4, Now Deborah, a, prophet, a prophetess, the wife of Lapeleth, was judging Israel at the time. So, Deborah was a prophetess and a judge. Prophet and a judge. Look how God uses women. And uh, she's probably a better judge and a, and a better prophetess than anybody else around her. She used to sit under the palm of um, of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kedesh, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking ten thousand from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the king of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give the, him into your hand. 
So so Deborah, this judge, is calling out, you know, the commander of Israel's army, Barak, who is looks kind of like a coward. You know, she has to remind him what God told him. God's commanded you to do something. Why are you sitting around? Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Like, what a coward this guy is. You know, he wants a woman to go with him into battle. And if she won't go with him, he's not going to go. It kind of shows you where his faith is, huh? Nevertheless, the road on, you know, and she said, I will surely go with you. This is Deborah talking. But she said, nevertheless, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. In other words, a woman is going to do your work for you. Okay? She's going to be the one who brings him down. Okay, so they get to the battle plains. Verse 14, Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So in other words, she's got to tell him to get up. This is the day he's supposed to go, you know, fight Sisera. And she's reminding him, like asking him a rhetorical question. You know, don't you understand the Lord's going out before you? You know, he said he would. What are you afraid of? Get out there and, and you know, fight. Verse 16, and Barak pushed, pursued the sea. So Barak goes up, and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. In other words, my study Bible says, Sisera's mighty, mighty chariots all got stuck in the mud. And now they're vulnerable. So he gets out of his chariot and runs. But remember what the word says, the Lord routed Sisera. It didn't have anything to do with what Barak was doing. So then Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Okay, so Barak runs after him and has a victory, but Sisera flees, flees away on foot to the tent of Jadal, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So, in other words, Sisera escapes and runs to sort of a safe haven land. Verse 18, And Jabal came out to meet Sisera, and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he hurried aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. In other words, let me hide you so nobody's going to catch you. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened his skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. But Jadal, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her, in her hand, and she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sesra, 
Jada went out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you're seeking. So he went into the tent, and there laid Sesra dead with the tent peg in his temple. Verse 23, So on that day God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Okay, so a woman ends up um, killing Sesera. So Jadel does it. All right, and then they keep uh, pursuing uh, the Canaanite king. So we've got this story of Deborah and Barak, apparently kind of a cowardly uh, commander, and uh, this woman named Jadel who ends up um, killing this mighty Sesra. So we're going to stop here and look at what God does with people, ordinary people, with faith. And then again, you see the lack of faith produces fear and the inability to claim the spiritual gift that God gives us. So we're going to stop here. We'll we'll, um, continue our podcast in the book of Judges tomorrow. And as always, we pray for sweet Emma, Vitaly's family. And um, as always, keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time. God bless you.